Hey everyone, welcome back to Wheel Take Selly. This is Andy, and as not always, I am not joined by my brother Nick. Um, Nick has definitely been picking up uh, a lot of, uh, or actually, I guess, dropping a lot of bandwidth. Um, he recently went off to school, and uh, he's definitely doing a lot of volunteer stuff um, and hitting his books hard out there. So we haven't actually recorded it in a couple months now, um, and it dawned on me about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, I'm still watching hockey every night. I'm still keeping a tap on all these teams, a lot of these players. Um, and even though while Nick is still able to watch some hockey, uh, he's definitely tied down a little bit more. Um, but there's no reason that I can't continue uh, supporting the channel. So. I reached out to him last week, and I guess some of his friends reached out to him this week about the podcast. And uh, so now after those two weeks have passed, um, Nick and I kind of came up with the idea that uh, until he opens up a little bit more free time for himself, I'll uh, support the channel by reco recording a uh, solo episode um, where I just sort of talk about uh, Honestly, I guess whatever. Um, and honestly, if you guys have any ideas or any topics you'd like to delve us in or you'd like us to delve into, leave comments on uh, the Insta post or um, definitely reach out to Nick or I directly. And I mean, I'm totally open to anything, but I guess for the concept uh, that Nick and I discussed, I had thought about maybe picking a team outside of. Um, the Hurricanes and Sabres, as those are our favorite teams, pick a team uh, that I watch throughout the week and just sort of kind of give a pulse check on uh, where I think they are um, in the season. Uh, so without further ado, I'm just going to jump into it. And I chose this week uh, to discuss the New York Rangers. Um, I love this team. I don't like Mika Zibanejad. I will put that out there right now, and I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I will admit he is definitely proving my disdain wrong. Um, guy's got 41 points this season thus far. I think they're just about halfway or just past halfway. Yeah, okay, so they've got 47 games played, so they're five games into their second half of this season. And let's check out, let me check out the uh, stats again there. We've got, um, obviously, Chris Kreider, who is having a season beyond his capabilities going on, leading the Rangers with uh, 33 goals there. We've got Artemi Panarin leading the points uh, column with 52, and we've got Adam Fox with 40-4-0 assists. Um, this team, I wanted to talk about this team because I have generally been following them pretty closely throughout the year, um, but I really wanted to talk about them due to their performance um, before the break, obviously. They played the Panthers before the All-Star break, and I got to tell you, it was a... It was slotted as a game that was definitely going to be a true character test of the Rangers. Um, obviously, we all know the Panthers are gunning 
for that elite branding. And they, I think that they've definitely earned it. Um, last year, I thought they were on the cusp of it, and they're definitely proving it to us this year. Uh, if we check the standings, we see Florida sitting atop the East with 69 points. Nice. Uh, 47 games played. They're 32, 10, and 5. Um, so, yeah, Rangers came into that game. It was in MSG. Um, you really think, yeah, they're home. They got to win that one. They've got the advantage. But, I mean, this Florida team does not play home games. And that's sort of changing as of recently. But as we all know, Florida is historical for having low attendance. So they, in my opinion, and you can feel free to disagree if you're wrong, they don't have home ice advantage. Um, they're more or less just playing in the bubble every single time they're home. Um, obviously, like I said, that's changing in, in recent weeks, but leading up until this point, this Panthers team is very used to not having a crowd that's engaged with what they're doing, with what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so because of that, I find that they do uh, play away games um, probably much better than most, or at least much more comfortably than probably most teams do. Uh, so Florida going into this game uh, was definitely um, looking to maintain their power, um, definitely wanted to get those two points and maintain their seating atop the East. Um, New York came in, they scored hot in that game, I think 30, 35 seconds in. There was a fluky own goal uh, that was credited to Mika Zibanejad. And, you know, credit to him, you're not going to score if you don't get pucks on net. And, I mean, that was a prime example if you go back and watch that one. Um, but pretty, was it pretty close after? It was, the next goal was scored by Florida. I do believe this one was the one that was called or ruled off sides. Um, if it wasn't, it was actually the next goal that was scored. Um, but Florida came roaring back like they always do. Uh, so they tied the game up. And then before the second period was over, or sorry, that was in the first. So they tied it up at the end of the first. Um, and the game looked pretty evenly matched up until that point. Had that one goal counted, uh, they obviously would have been up by one. Um, but anyways, they digress into the second period. And pretty pretty quick into the second, Florida goes up 2-0. Um, and I really was getting worried now watching at this point. Uh, I definitely thought that Florida was going to sort of take this game over um, and really sort of lay their thumb down on New York and remind them that you guys are just uh, finishing your rebuild. You guys are just on the uptick. We're still the elite guys. Um, that are playing this game every single day. Um, and it sort of looked that way. Uh, I remember the momentum of the game feeling like that. Um, I was just waiting for one. I was honestly waiting for Sam, that Sam Reinhardt goal that put them up 2-1. I honestly thought that was going to be the floodgates. I thought that the Hoover Dam was going to burst and Florida was honestly just going to start walking away with it. Shesterkin held on. The defense held on. Um, and ultimately, a minute after Reinhardt, about a minute after Reinhardt's goal, Lafreniere had a nice backhander uh, to tie that to tie it up. And from that point on, for the for a large portion of the second period, um, there was no goals, and it was just a back and forth track race. It felt like, uh, but eventually, Chris Kreider does come through. 
He has a nice power play goal late in the second, uh, and New York really didn't look back from that point on. It was a totally different game after that. Um, New York established their dominance, or they actually at least reminded Florida that they aren't here to get pushed around. Um, And Kreider ends up scoring again uh, with about five minutes left in the third on another power play goal. I think the guy leads uh, NHL in power play goals. I think it was like 16 and 17 that game, or those two goals. And like I said, he's got 33 goals on the season. Um, Just unreal numbers coming from Chris Kreider. Uh, And the more I mention his name and and those stats associated to him, I mean, come on, let's give this guy the C already. Uh, This guy has been with New York for quite some time now. um, And really, he's paying those dividends right now. He's he's trying to, or he's definitely earning his keep. um, And he's promoting himself as a leader across the the team. And he's producing points for you. Uh, So really, in my eyes, this one's a no-brainer. I'm really hoping we see that captain announced soon. Um, but we'll see. Anyways, uh, Panarin closes it out with an empty netter uh, with about 40 seconds left to put them up 5-0. And holy cow, what what a statement from the New York Rangers in that game. Um, I want to go back to some texts that I was sending my friend Alex, who um, who I uh, who is a big you know he's a huge Rangers fan. He actually was in a he was actually at a game a, a while back. Um, and here's some of the message I was sending him. I said, uh, let's see. Oh, so this is late in the game. This is before uh, before Panarin's empty netter. Florida did go on a penalty with about four minutes left. I want to say. Uh, so this is the that's the context for this text. I said they now need two shorties to send it to OT. So, dude, you guys, you guys have got this in the bag. I'm 100. I only send texts like that when I'm 100 percent confident you're winning. Don't worry. I love this Rangers team. I want I want you all to be the Jack Adams nominee. Uh, and that's another point I wanted to touch on. How do the how does Vegas's front office feel right now with with um all the assets that they've left. I mean, the only two employees, I say employees because I think it extends beyond just the bench um, and into the front office. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on the GM there, but Gerard Gallat, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, these are big names, big assets that have gone on Um that were there for that first year on a championship run. And let's not forget Vegas is only five years old. Um, So for me, I sort of think that they moved on from some of these people a little bit too fast. Galat is a great example of that. Um, He's really turned this New York Rangers team around. He's definitely keeping these guys focused and he's keeping them uh, sticking to their brand of hockey. Um, And I mentioned that because that's something that uh, is is a big piece, is very integral of the way that Rod Brendamore coaches the Hurricanes. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Hurricanes have seen as much success as they have. And you go back years in past, the last two uh, Lightning teams that we've seen win championships, the, those back-to-back Penguin years. I mean, any team that you want to talk about that's a championship team, that's a, a uh, 
you know, a deep postseason run contender or an elite offense, defense, goaltending combo. Uh, any team that you want to talk about that's in that echelon of, of franchises is going to have a coach who teaches a brand of hockey and who maintains with his players that this is what you need to stick to. This is the game plan. It works. You just need to stick to it. You can't, you can't feel that adversity and you can't get knocked back and think to yourself, oh, it's over, you know, fold in the towel, pack up the equipment, let's start practicing for the next game. You got to take every single minute, every single shift, and every single period of the game like it's its own game. Um, especially when you get down early, like the Rangers uh, sort of did, sort of did uh, in this game. Um, there was only two that ended up counting, uh, so they only ever had a one-goal deficit. But the offsides goal was extremely close. Um, it's to the point, and I don't want to talk too much about this, but it is to the point where I know offsides is like a, it's not like soccer. It's a, it's a firm, this is the line. Um, you can't cross it prior to the puck. And if that's how it's like, if that's how it's going to be written, that's how it, they're going to want to like view it as, that's fine. I get that. But I also want to make the point that if it comes down to millimeters, to centimeters, to fractions of a fractions of a second for these players that they're offsides, does it really impact the play all that much? Um, and it, and does it and is it worth taking the review time? to get to that conclusion that yes, they are millimeters offsides and we're going to pull this one back, <laughs> you know, whatever. That's another discussion for another time. And I do see both point, both sides of the argument on that one. So I will admit that. Um, but nonetheless, it would feel, you know, even if you're down there on the ice, it, it feels like a goal. You feel like you got scored on. You, you feel, you sort of probably take that as like a, an L more or less. Um, if the game ends and you're down by one, you're definitely going to feel like that's it. Or you're, or if the game, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You get my, I think you get my point though. Um, the Rangers don't, they didn't fall into that mindset of getting discouraged, getting bogged down. Uh, they didn't move on from the game at hand. I mean, they stuck in the moment and they tic-tacked away. They hung in there um, and they took the third period to really show that they uh, that they own what they're doing and that you can't do it better than them, especially at home. So, yes, while they did win at home in MSG and probably some people might discredit that or at least say, hey, that's a crutch that they can lean on for beating Florida. I want to see them. I want to see them beat Florida in sun uh, sunrise. I also want to see that, too. And I also want to see the seven-game series play out as well because I think that one will definitely come down to whoever whoever loses on home ice first. Um, and if it doesn't come down to that, then it'll just go to whoever ended up better in the uh, regular season because they would have home ice advantage. Uh, so I think that would be an awesome series to play out. I mean, honestly, looking ahead to the postseason, <laughs> we have really good teams. Uh, that will be making the playoffs, that will be probably facing each other. It's going to be a great playoff run this year. Um, I'm super looking forward to it. 
I do hope that the Canes are able to put at least a run to the cup, and I do want to see them in the final, um, but I definitely wouldn't be upset if I saw the Rangers in the final either. Um, like I said, this Rangers team, I mean, if you could turn the clocks back two, three seasons maybe, two or three seasons, the Canes then I think are where the Rangers are now, but the difference between the Canes then and the Rangers now Shesterkin, and that's why I want to take this next. This goalie is awesome. I, I, I like him. I like that he's calm and poised uh, most times. Um, I have seen him let in some garbage goals, and uh, and I haven't seen him really get down on himself for it. Um, every time, even if it's not a garbage goal, but anytime Holtby gets scored on, you know, he's just staring at the jumbotron, just watching it over and over. Uh, water in the lettuce, you know, that, that's what he does. That's that's his thing. And maybe it works for him. But for me, if I'm the goalie, you know, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to see it, at least in the moment. Definitely, you know, I'll learn from it later. I'll learn from it when I'm sitting with the coaches, when I'm sitting with the um, the video review coaches. I'll, I'll learn it then. But in the moment, in the game, I would just want to tune that out. I would just want to reset and get the puck playing again. Um, and Shesterkin is a guy who who looks like he can do that. Barkov, Huberto, um, Rakodudis. I mean, the the Florida Panthers are not only a good elite team; they're fast, but they got the size too and the heaviness that are associated to them. Um, and those two big, you know, those two big guys, Barko and Barkov and Huberto, will fight. You know, they'll fire pucks in there, and they will rattle you. Um, and Shesterkin doesn't look like the biggest guy around. I mean, as we all know, most goalies, when you see them with their pads off for the first time, you're kind of like, huh? <laughs> That's Ryan Miller. <laughs> that little twig of a of a human hangman is in is in the equipment there. And he's like, I, I wouldn't have even guessed him. I, I would have taken him for like UFC size. I remember that's how I felt the first time I saw Ryan Miller outside of his his equipment. So they have a really nice goaltender. Um, I mean, th- this Rangers team seemingly has everything to me. Uh, I guess I guess if I had to choose something that they can improve upon, they might need some more depth. Um, first in the off, first in the offense, just because you know I, I don't know that. Um, Greg McKegg comes to mind. Uh, who, who are the names down on the bottom of their roster? I just, I, I don't think if you, once you start stepping into their third and fourth line, I don't think it is as solid as those other elite teams that are out there that are definitely going to be making playoff runs. Um, and that could bite you late in the playoffs or late in a series. Um, it's sort of like basketball, I guess, where, or it's not sort of like basketball is what I meant to say. In basketball, you know, they say any points coming from the bench are just, you know, bonus points help you out. Um, but in the NHL, and especially in the playoffs, you almost sometimes have to rely on those goals um, because the Sidney Crosbys, the Ovechkins, the McDavid's, the Dreisaitl's, um, those guys will will be focused. They'll be focused during the playoffs and they'll – They'll, you know, teams will have special game plans around those players. Uh, if you're a team with home ice advantage, 
you'll be slotting up exactly who you want playing against Ovechkin every single shift, McDavid every single shift. Uh, so in in theory, those guys end up getting a little bit more contained during the postseason. Um, and you really end up needing to start relying on those third and fourth liners who will get those garbage goals for you, who will get those, uh, you know, those wristers through traffic that the goalie can't hear that just somehow end up making their way in. Um, they're the guys who the goalies don't see nearly as much. So in five, six, seven game series, you can uh, kind of catch them off guard maybe. So I definitely want to see a little bit of depth added there. Um, I do like their decor for the most part. You can probably sub a better guy in late uh, uh, into their sixth or fifth slot, but Adam Fox is everything that Slavin is, but the points as well. Um, He's a big dude. He'll hit people. That's one thing I guess Slavin is a little bit different. Slavin isn't always going for the body. He is much more methodical and surgical. But Adam Fox can be methodical and surgical. But Adam Fox can be physical and demanding if you need him to be. Um, and like I said, 40 freaking assists on the season from that guy. He's a defenseman, everybody. Um, truly, how much more could you ask for from him? And he's young. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a very, very intimidating New York Rangers team. I, I don't want anyone taking this team lightly. If you end up, if your team ends up facing this team in the postseason, I would recommend getting out of that series as quick as you can. Um, you don't want to, and you don't want to end it on in MSG either. Uh, I would definitely probably try and win that one on home ice. Uh, you know, obviously, if you go up 4-0 and you have the home ice, though, close it out in MSG, but. I think it might be tough to close this one out in MSG. I This Rangers team is chippy. Um, they hang around. They don't give in. Uh, so, you know, if you don't take them out quick, I could see it being a problem late in the series. And whether or not, uh, you know, even if they don't win, say they take you to seven games and they don't win, you're going on to face somebody now and you – you're going to be washed, probably. You're going to, you just win seven games with the Rangers. They, they play that board game very well. They play that patience game very, very well. And as a fan and even as a player, I hated getting scored on from those patience teams because it just seems, you know, it, it's never like I would almost rather just be all chaos in the middle there and like just stop blocking shots, goalie making big save after big save. And then just some god awful rebound happens, and a guy just basically hands the puck into the net. When I was a player, I almost would rather have that happen because the feeling after getting scored on, when it's like this benign situation that you know you you really just kind of like nothing's unfolding. I, I guess you probably left leave your your sense of urgency down a little bit, and maybe that's where they get you. Um, but I hate I hated being scored on like that because it, it almost just sort of happens out of the blue. And it's like, wow, if I think back to the last 30 seconds that just passed, I had five, six opportunities to really squash this. Um, and that's how they play. Uh, they, they're a team that definitely recognizes that two points is two points is two points, um, whether it's whether it's an ugly two points 
uh, or whether it's a clean, pristine two points, um, they they know the value of the games that they're playing. Um, and they're the real deal now. I mean, I know they had a hot start to the season and everybody I felt was discrediting them or just waiting for them to fall off. But if you ask me, it hasn't happened yet. Um, like I said, if we go to the standings here, the Canes are ahead of them with one point. Um, we do have four games in hand, um, but they are 30, 13, and four. So they have 64. We have 65. Penguins are behind them with one game in hand. They're 27, 11, and eight. So if it comes down to that one, New York is looking like the tiebreaker is going to go to them. Um, and then behind Pittsburgh and, and the rest of the Atlantic, the wild cards right now are 47 games played for Washington, 25, 13, and 9. Uh, so they have 59 points. Boston has 43 games played, 26, 14, 3, uh, with 55 points. Um, and after Boston, uh, it unfortunately looks pretty grim for the rest of the field. Uh, uh, F's in chat for my Detroit uh, prediction at the beginning of the season. <laughs> um, rest of the league, though, Atlantic Division, um, Florida, we have sitting atop the entire Eastern Conference, 47 games played. They're 32, 10, and 5 with 69 points. Nice. I already said that. Uh, Tampa has 40 has 46 games played. They're 30, 10, and 6, giving them 66. And Toronto, ooh, bad game last night. Don't talk to me about Mitch Marner. 43 games played, 30, 10, and 3 for 63 points. So the Eastern Conference is is pretty pretty well set, and it's really going to come down to a matter of who you get uh, uh, paired up against for the first round, I guess. There, um, we look to the West. I'll do the West quick before Colorado looking really good this year. Uh, one of the few teams between Carolina and wow, Florida got their tenth loss. So it's just Carolina and Colorado with single digits remaining in the loss column. Carolina has nine, um, and Colorado has eight. So we shall see who goes down first there. But anyways, Colorado, 32, 8, and 4, 68 points. Nashville, 46 games played, 28, 14, 4, 60 points. Minnesota, 41 games played, 28, 10, 3, 59. Look for them to make a push at least into that second place position, definitely. Uh, they got five games in hand, and they're a point behind Nashville there. Next, we've got... Uh, I'll go to the Pacific before I go to the wild card there. Uh, so next we have the Pacific Division sitting atop Vegas there. 46 games played, 27, 16, and 3 with 57 points. Um, and shout out All-Star Game. Um, I have I didn't watch, I never really watched the All-Star Weekend, but that Zegras goal was ruthless um, and comical. I mean, what more can you ask for? Anyways, moving on from Vegas, we have LAK, Nick's medieval rivalry there. He really hopes for that to happen. So if anyone from the Vegas Golden Knights or Los Angeles Kings are listening, make it happen. Uh, 47 games played, 24-16-7 with 55 points. Anaheim, another good team this year. Uh, 
another surprisingly good team this year. 48 games played, 23-16-9 for 55 points. And the two wild card slots are going to be St. Louis with 44 games played, 26-13-5 for 57 points. Um, and then Calgary, 42 games played, 23-13-6 for 52 points. Um, the West is definitely a closer race for these playoff positions. You've got Edmonton knocking on the door for a wild card slot. you got Dallas right behind them. San Jose is putting a decent season together. Uh, and when Vancouver is clicking, they're winning. Um, so hopefully that plays out a little bit better than the East will, or at least, at least has. Um, maybe we'll see, you know, maybe we'll see some crazy jumps here. That'd be cool. Um, shout out Arizona. It took you forever to get your first win, but at least you're not Montreal, right? Anyways, um, how long? All right. So the recording is getting to just about a half an hour, which is just as much as I wanted to do. So that timing was impeccable if I do say so myself. Anyways, anyways, thanks for listening. If you made it all the way to this point, don't forget to unlike and dissubscribe. Um, hopefully, this is a, a good format. I, I definitely haven't chosen the team that I'm going to be reviewing for next week, um, but this will be sort of an ad hoc thing. So this episode, uh, this new episode sequence might not come out so regularly or at least as regularly as we used to um but i am going to try and keep it relatively close to a week so maybe give or take or give <laughs> three days max on that so maybe a week week and a half and i can uh, put something together but yeah uh that's it for this episode if you're a rangers fan you've got a lot to be happy about um even if, even if you're not a Rangers fan, if you're a fan of a team who's struggling this year and you want to watch a team that's enjoyable, I would definitely turn you toward the Rangers unless you have some sort of um, <laughs> disdain, uh, specific disdain for them for some reason. I understand. Uh, but nah, Rangers are in a good position. I would love to have the goaltending that they have, but we're making do with what we have right now. So uh, that's good for us. But the 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 goaltending for New York looks good for the long haul, um, which is a nice feeling. It's got to be a nice feeling. We haven't had that in Carolina since Cam Ward. So I totally, totally can appreciate the Shesterkin over there. All right. Well, without further ado, let me pull up the games that are on tomorrow for you because this will probably come out then uh, so wednesday february 9th if you're listening to this today we've got detroit and philly at 7 p.m uh excuse me sorry i had to move a notification um at eight o'clock tomorrow we also have nashville dallas i did just mention that dallas is pushing they're trying to push for that wild card position nashville's got five games in hand uh with the people that they're ahead of in the standings out there. So they're going to want to keep the throttle on. That could be a really good game to watch Chicago and Edmonton at eight as well. And then we have Vegas and Calgary at nine 30 Vegas has got a pretty good position in the West. Um, Calgary's right on the bubble right now. So that could also be a really great game. Then we have, 
We have the dumpster fire game. We've got Arizona and Seattle. Uh, <laughs> enough said. 10 o'clock. And then at 10.30, we've got New York Islanders, Vancouver Canucks. Islanders are struggling this year. I feel I feel for them. I really do. Um, but you can't win games if you don't score. That was what got them by before was their goals against were phenomenal. Uh, but their goals for and their goals against were damn near one-to-one ratio for the last three or four seasons. Um, so, honestly, it was just a matter of time before that egg came to roost for them. Uh, either way, though, you know, if Vancouver wins that game, that put them on the uptick, and uh, and that could be the first step toward their playoff run this season. So that could be a good game as well. Anyways, folks, thanks for listening. If you've been listening this long, I'll stop rambling. Uh, like I said, if you have any ideas for what you want me to do or talk about while uh, Nick is on his hiatus, please let me know. Um, and if Nick ends up having any sort of bandwidth at any point, we'll probably put together an episode with the two of us together. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. I will I will chat with you in the future. Sayonara, everyone. And as always, oh, wait, what's our sign-off? <laughs> uh, this is embarrassing. All right, well, I'll just do the workaholics. Take it easy.